Production. Recorded live. Pro Hockey World today is Friday, December 18th, 2015. I'm Michael Agello of HockeyBuzz.com, and I am pleased to be joined once again by the former assistant general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mr. Bill Waters. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Merry Christmas to you and all your family. Same to you, and uh, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing well, and uh, I think I'm doing markedly better than the Toronto Maple Leafs are doing right now, um, who lost their second game in a row last night to the San Jose Sharks uh, in a very similar fashion to the way they lost against hit the Tampa Bay Lightning on uh, Tuesday. Five uh, four game last night, lost in overtime on Brent Burns' ball. And it was pretty eerie in, in a sense, Bill. If you looked at those two games, um, the only difference was that San Jose really dominated the first period uh, last night, whereas I thought the Leafs came out much better against Tampa. But in the third, up two goals, they lose the lead. Uh, I don't think it was Jonathan Bernier's fault this time around. And then they lose in overtime on a, on a Brent Burns goal. Um, of late, they're 2-0-2 in the last four games, but... You know, the losses, as we said, they're a little concerning. What are your thoughts on the Leafs in general right now? Well, I think out of last night's game, I took some positive out of Bernier's goaltending. I thought he looked much better. He looked much more confident, and perhaps that was because he wasn't expecting to play. I mean, if this is all head, as they say, then that could be a problem. The anticipation of playing and the inability to prevent an early goal has been his downfall. And then from that point on, he just has not been able to make the stop when they needed it. And last night was entirely different. In the last two minutes, he made two superb saves. One was a toe save on Pavelski that we should have been in. He was able to get to it. And I, I, so I, I feel that Bernier is, is, looks to me like he might be playing a little better. And all that means is the Leafs will have a chance to win with him and that. It doesn't mean that he's going to steal any games, but at least they're better in that area. And I like what I see of Peter Holland. Uh, you know, I think he's come along uh, very well and is a player that they'll be able to count on in the future. I also like Leo Komarov. I thought he'd be dead by now because of the way he played the game in his first year, but he's been able to survive, and he's a very useful player in a third or fourth line role. And when you're the leading scorer, Calling him a third liner is an insult. So let's put him up to a second at least. Uh, their defense, I, I still have some concerns about that. Their younger players are developing. Jake Gardner is not. Uh, and I'm disappointed because I thought Jake Gardner would be a player that could be of more use to them. He just does not play the game without the puck very well. Uh, Hunwick is a sixth defenseman on any other team on the Leafs. He's won two. Explain that. I don't think it requires much explanation. It just shows you what they've got. And they're getting more out of Phaneuf by moving him down the lineup and playing him against second and third line players instead of first. So uh, that's that's been the positives. I, I thought Kadri might be coming out of his funk. He's not. He, he's, uh, he's just, for the amount of ice time and opportunity he's getting, he's not reciprocating in kind to the coach. And God only knows Mike Babcock's trying to make him a number two center at worst and a number one center at best. And who pops up his ugly head but uh, the kid from uh, 
that they've had for four years, whose name eludes me right now, but you know who I'm talking about. He's Tyler on, Bozak. He's on a five-game, yeah, Bozak, exactly, Tyler Bozak. And he's been on a five-game scoring streak. So there, there's a lot of inexplicable things going on. But mm. the bottom line is this team has one destination. They told us last spring they're in rebuild. That means you're going to finish in the bottom five of the league. So don't get too excited about losing games in overtime. Don't get disappointed, and don't really get depressed. That's the way it's got to be. Maple Leafs are 10-13-7, tied for 30th with the disappointing Anaheim Ducks and equally disappointing Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, They've only played 30 games, whereas Columbus, I think, has played 33 and Columbus is having their struggles right now with Brian Johansson. We'll talk about that a little later. But getting back to what you were referring to, Bill, I mean, you look at some of the things that are going on with the Leafs internally uh, in terms of the players and the expectations that people were having. You know, the expectation was that Kadri was going to be given number one center ice time, and I think he was early in the year. But he honestly doesn't deserve that ice time the way he's played. And Bozak, you know, for all the people who who said that he was a creation of Phil Kessel, well, he's second on the team in scoring right now with 19 points, and he's centering the number one line with Van Riemsdyk and Parento. So, you know, for all those critics that said, you know, give Kadri the chance or he should be the number one, Babcock did, and it's turned out he's still not the number. He doesn't have the yeah. ability to be the number one. Yeah, he was forced to make a change. And, and uh, appropriately so. I, I'm, I'm happy for Bozak. I, I'm not a big Bozak guy as a number one centerman, nor am I uh, now. I, I don't think the Leafs will go anywhere until they get a center iceman who you can call a number one centerman. I, however, I do put Bozak ahead of Kadri. So Kadri now becomes a tradable commodity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bozak wasn't at $4 million, so Kadri may or may not be at 3 uh, with the intention of going to five. And if he goes to five and is still playing the way he's playing, the Leafs have made another major league contractual gaffe, overpaid and undernourished player. Well, see, that's why I think that Kadri's future is limited with this team in spite of the fact that, you know, I remember, uh, less than a month ago Babcock referred to them, him as you know the best forward on the team. Um, and I think that was sort of lip service and maybe a little pumping of the tires. But uh-huh. Bozak, Bozak is under control for two more years at four and a quarter million dollars. Maybe a little too much for him for a number three center, but he takes faceoffs, he kills penalties, he's a you know decent playmaker. If they go out and we're going to talk about Stamkos in a minute, if they go out and they add a Stamkos via free agency and William Nylander may be their number two center next year. Bozak fits better into a number three center role than a Kadri who's probably going to want an extension and over $5 million, which I don't think he deserves. No, I agree with what you say, Mike. So what we're telling everyone is be prepared for Kadri to move. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say the chances of Steven Stamkos becoming a Maple Leaf are 10% at best. I don't see this thing as it goes on and it starts to become its own little perfect storm. Is mm-hmm. nothing more than Donald Fear and his brother Stevie trying to take advantage of the moment and get more money for Steven Stamkos than he's worth. Uh, it's fine to be able to uh, embarrass ownership by 
forcing them into a situation where they have to pay too much for the player. And you have to look at Steven Stamkos and say he he's a great hockey player. Let's not get away from that. What we're yes. dealing with is he, is he a $9 million player or is he an $11 million player? Is he Jonathan Taves uh, or is he John Tavares? He's neither. He is somewhere underneath. And Tavares is making $5 million. Nice contract. But anyway, that uh, that's the agent had stuck him with that. But I just I think that Stephen Stamkos, based on what I know of him as an individual, I've, uh, I know his family, um, and not well. Like it's not like I'm a family friend by any stretch. But right. I've met them on occasion uh, four or five times, and I, I can see why he's he's so well uh, prepared for life. Uh, he's he's a good boy. He's a great athlete, but he is not Jonathan Taves. And let's get off of that number. And I, I, as I understand what's transpiring now, because of interference from the union, they're making this thing look like a sham. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to extricate themselves from the process right after New Year's Day and make a once-only take-it-or-leave-it offer. And the process will then evolve. If, in fact, they say no, Mm -hmm. fine. That's it. The next step will be, well, now that you're not taking our contract, do you have five teams that we could trade you to? If the answer is no, then they say, okay, we'll talk to you when the season's over. They're not going to conclude themselves from signing them. They can't have this disruption ongoing. First of all, he's not playing well. He, he He was innocuous. He had no impact on that game when Tampa Bay were in here Tuesday night. And that's mm-hmm. not Steve, Steven Stamkos. He's doing next to nothing. I know the guy that does the, the, the highlights for a, a television network, and he said he had a hard time finding anything that Stamkos would fit into in a highlight package. He did nothing. And that's not his M.O. He's a, he's a gifted hockey player who, at very worst, gets a scoring chance or sets one up in each game he plays. He did nothing mm-hmm. on Tuesday night. So yeah. that that in part explains the disruption that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, and I mean right now, I mean more than more than just Stamkos in in midst of a slump. I mean Tyler Johnson's out, Palat's out. They they have some injuries. They're not playing up to what people thought they were going to play with. No. I mean they're not even in the playoffs right now. But to, you know. We'll, we'll talk about Stamkos now because I was going to move it to later, but we'll talk about it now since we brought it up. But the, the thing I the thing I look at here, Bill, is you know, you know, he's 25 years old, but it's one of these cases where, in hockey age, I think he's a little older because he started at 18. He's got the wear and tear of uh, you know the broken leg, and I mean, I, I, I still I still think he is in his prime, obviously, or, or not even you know, entering his prime maybe. But the concern here is if he does hit the open market on July 1st, you know, everybody's going to be interested in him. But the problem is how many teams will be able to afford him. And that's where I think Toronto is positioned because they'll have the cap room. But my theory, and I wrote about this last week, if they're going to be in the bidding for Steven Stamkos, they have to move out 
the contract of Dion Phaneuf and probably the contract of one other player because otherwise, if they sign Stamkos at $10 million or 10.5, they're right back in the same situation they were in with Phil Kessel. Cap-strapped with no flexibility and no ability to add additional players. I don't think Lou Lamorello is going to do that, but I think if they clear out... Lou Lamorello has nothing to do with it. Let's get that established. That will be Mike Babcock's call. He controls the top 23 players. And if he says to them, listen, if we can get Stamkos at $9 bucks, go after him. If we can't, let him go somewhere else. Because the, your, your description, your preamble is very accurate, Mike. This is what Tampa Bay has as a problem. If they sign Stamkos for uh, Taves' money, they've got the next year Hedman coming up. Mm-hmm. And he is as valuable to the Tampa Bay Lightning, if not more because of his position, than Steven Stamkos is. That's not to offend either party. Mm-hmm. So now they can't, if Stamkos gets 10.5, what do you think Edmund's going to say? Oh, right. I want the same. I, I may not score the goals, but I, I lug the mail. I'm the guy that plays 25 minutes. And the, the, that's, that's what screws it up. Chicago has been very fortunate. They got Marian Hosa signed to a 15-year deal. Ingenious. Not ingenious on the part of the agent, but ingenious on the part of Stanley Bowman, because they now have a guy that can play with Taves and only pay him $5 million, and he does what the sevens and the eights do, but only gets five for it. And Panarin, Anistamov, and Kane have become their second line. Teravainen is a, is a big part of, could be a big part of the Taves-Hosa line. They have drafted well and they put players in position where they can continue with the burden of Kane and of Taves and of Seabrook and uh, Duncan Keith. The reason they can do that is they signed Duncan Keith for five and change. Somebody is giving up or making a sacrifice, whether directly or indirectly, to keep these teams with the high-priced help competitive. And the Maple Leafs are in trouble if they sign Steven Stamkos at 10 and a half or 11 in big trouble. And yeah, I don't think it's nearly as exciting as a lot of people think as much as I'd like to watch more of Steven Stamkos. I think Steven Stamkos is saying to himself, listen, I'm with a team here that will be competitive for at least five years. I'm going to a team that when I go there, I am going to handicap them and they will be no good at all. Right, and which 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 is which is the reason why. That's what he why. has to decide. What's he want? Does he want to play with a team that has a chance, or does he want to go home and have everybody that knows him say, "What's wrong with you and the Leafs?" Yeah, which is which is the reason why you know if they if they did. I mean, first of all, you know the transition, the rebuild, part of you know point A of the rebuild is to clear out the remnants of the core group that they still haven't cleared out. Phaneuf, yeah. Kadri, Lupul, possibly Bozak. Yeah. You know, and, the, and the thing is, they really haven't done that yet. But I think yeah. that's, that's part and parcel with 
them, if they are legitimately interested in getting stamp posts, they have to move those salaries out to be able to afford to bring stamp posts in. Otherwise, I, I agree with your point completely that you know all he would be joining is a team with limited cap space with limited options, and it really would be sort of a purgatory for him. You know, well, yep. that's why that's why the rumors of him going to some place like Montreal as a free agent make sometimes you know it would make a little more sense because they're a ready-made team ready to win a Stanley Cup with Carey Price, PK Subban, his friend. You know, I mean that it. In terms of where the team is at, Montreal fits the situation better than Toronto does. But I want to touch on one point that you you mentioned is, you know, Tampa, is Steve Eisenman going to Stamkos once they make the take-it-or-leave-it offer to get a list of teams? And maybe I'm wrong here, but you've been a player agent, so you know, uh, you know, you can read this situation a lot better than I can. Newport Sports, who represented Brad Richards, they did the same. It was a similar situation. I mean, Brad Richards was older at the time that he hit free agency, but he was with Dallas, a non-playoff team. There was a lot of talk before the trade deadline. He was going to waive his no trade and go someplace, but he didn't. They, they, you know, if if there was a trade, they stopped it. He went free agency. Dallas got nothing, and he went to the Rangers. Yep. Now, in this situation, I mean. I think it's similar because Stamkos and Brad Richards don't have to go someplace else to prove anything. I think Stamkos is going to get nine to ten to eleven million dollars, even if he has a twenty-goal season, because an opportunity to get a twenty-five-year-old center, a number one guy, is too much for some teams to pass up. But That's the, right. But the tendency of Newport Sports to say, "Whoa, I don't think there's a chance in hell Stephen Stamkos is getting traded." during this season. So do you think that's the case, or do you think there's a possibility? No, I, I think the trade possibility is highly unlikely, and I think it's as much highly unlikely from the Tampa Bay side because what the agent will do and what any good agent will do with a guy like Stamkos, because of what you just said, uh, Mike, and everyone knows that he's going to get nine if he does nothing, and they're just going to sit. And in Brad Richards' case, it's pretty hard to believe that Newport did not have a promise from Glenn Sather. Mm-hmm. You know, here's, and they paid a lot of money for Brad Richards, as you recall. And so I think the same exists here. There is a promise out there that, hey, if he's free on the 1st of July, here's what you got from us. First call in. So they're not, they're, there is no panic on their part. The only panic is on the part of the Lightning to try and get something for a very valuable player. And if they're not going to pay what Newport wants, then Newport says, okay, that's fine. You'll pay a steep price at the end. And they will, and that's the way it is. I, I, that's their job. But I, I know Mian. I know of Iserman. I've heard of Vinnick. Jeff Vinnick is a very proud, aggressive owner, and he doesn't want his franchise player to leave. I can't see him letting this guy go for half a million. I can see him letting him go for a million and a half. In other words, if his top number is nine and they want ten and a half, he's gone. He's gone. They want want an eight-year deal. I mean, the thing that screws everything up here, Michael, is the term. As an example, if he comes to Toronto, he's got an eight-year deal. 
what are they going to do if Mitch Marner and William Nylander are half-decent players? They'll move him to right wing, or they'll have to trade him. And they can't trade him because he's got a no-move. So the last three years of his contract will be fluff. And that's, I've often said to people, if I had to do it over again, I wish I could say no more often. And Tampa Bay is falling into that position. I don't know what's wrong with Tyler Johnson, but if he's able to play, that line of Johnson, Pilat, and Kusharov is as good as there is in the league. Mm-hmm. So now they have lost Steven Stamkos, and they've got $9 million to play with on the cap. They'll find enough good players to make that team go. So I, I don't think it should be any panic to uh, Tampa Bay, and I think if you take the emotion out of it, there, there isn't. They're saying, okay, we've got $9 million. We're going to find other players that are willing to play for five or six and one for three. That's all. It's not a there, – there's, there's a, a never-ending supply of reasonable players. But if the general manager fails to extend him the year before he's in his free agent year, shame on that general manager. Yeah. That's where I mean, the problem arises. Shame on the general manager. Retrospective analysis doesn't work in the NHL. Yeah, the ball is completely in Stamkos' court. He has control. Absolutely. Once you enter your free agency, you're you're in charge, and you eliminate so many of the options, particularly when you're a 25-year-old superstar. Right, and I I saw three years ago when, you know, because I'm someone who looks at, well, CapGeek doesn't uh, exist anymore, but when I looked at sites like CapGeek and looked at the, you know, the fact that his contract had a no-move clause that kicked in on July 1st of this year. I'm like, okay, this is to prevent him getting traded somewhere in the last year of the deal if they if they have a falling out or if he doesn't want to go. And it's like, yeah. that's, per, that's perfect for him. Like, okay, I don't want to stay in – I don't want to go someplace as a rental. I'm going to stay in Tampa. I'm going to try to win the Stanley Cup here or make the playoffs or whatever. And then in July – I'm holding everybody's feet to the fire. And he's yep. in a perfect position. If he wants to go to Toronto, he can't. If he wants yep. to go back to Tampa Bay, he can't. So he's got all the options. But, and, oh. and, and, and the only option Tampa Bay has is if they come to uh, the middle of February and they've got nothing, they can go to him and say, look, Steve, uh, out of kindness to our organization who do you want to go to we're willing to give you a week to sign a contract with them and we'll make a trade would you consider that now it depends on how steve feels he says no i'm not doing it i I, I, i'm going to play it out i'm not saying i'm not signing with tampa but i'm not signing for the money you've offered me and leave it at that but there are options open that they could get something out of it but whenever you do that, you get burdened with a bad contract. And I can assure you that if they want to get rid of FNUF as badly as they that will be the bad contract. Mm-hmm. FNUF well, for Stamkos, and we want your first-round pick Tampa Bay as well. That's the way it'll be. Um, going to Bernier for a second, because there was some – rumors that popped up earlier in the week. I mean, honestly, Jonathan Bernier's trade value right now is at its absolute lowest. But yep. a team a team like Calgary who has 
a, a unique situation in goal right now. Both Kari Ramo and Jonas Hiller are UFAs at the end of the year. Their top goaltending prospect, John Gillies, is out for the year with a hip injury. Um, the other goaltender, Ordeo, uh, came up for a few games and did not play well. So basically right now they have no prospects for next year in terms of a goaltender to be on, on the team. You know, They might extend one of those goaltenders, but probably uh, I don't think they're going to extend Hiller. So their situation, and, and they're hot right now. Um, they're they're conceivably a playoff team based on the division that they're in. Yep. Ryan Burke and Brad Trilliving were both in Toronto on Tuesday. Burke is always in Toronto, we know that, but Trilliving was the unique thing, and there are some indications uh, that came from Sportsnet a couple of days ago that said that the Flames had had some internal discussions about taking Bernier's contract on. Bill, I think this is realistic because if you look at it from the Leafs' point of view, you know, if uh, Babcock has no confidence in Bernier, which he clearly doesn't based on the comments that he's made over the last couple of days. I mean, even last night when he has no goaltender to fall back on, it wasn't exactly effusive in his praise of Jonathan Bernier. No. Uh, if, if, if Babcock well, is he said it team, wasn't. He said it wasn't his fault. That was... That was the extension of his effusive praise. Yeah. Right. I mean, when, when, when you know, he comes out on Wednesday and says he's letting in too many goals, Sparks is starting. It's, yeah. You know, and, you know, and, he, and he, he states in the morning skate on Thursday that the team in front of Bernier plays worse than the team in front of any other goaltender, which is what yeah. he basically stated. I mean, that's not exactly, you know, He's not exactly pumping Bernier's tires. So right now he's got no other choice than to go with Bernier. But if he had, you know, if Reimer was healthy or if Sparks was healthy, I think they would be starting. So yep. if there's an opportunity to move him and escape the last year of that contract, uh, you know, there's one more year at 4.15, I, I think they're going to avail themselves of the opportunity. The question is, do you think that they will? Well, I think they'll... they'll, they'll my other option is to put him on waivers. Now, I, I I don't think Bernier will ever be what people had hoped he would be. Mm-hmm. And uh, last night he showed some flashes. Uh, three went by him in 50 minutes, but he made some key saves at the end, which was important. But he's never been a number one goalie. Never. He's had two opportunities with L.A. and with Toronto. And maybe the Calgary Flames see something in him that they like. And if, in fact, they're interested, I would find a way of giving him away. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can expect much for Bernier. They're taking on the contract. They're taking it off your hands. You know, it's, it's almost like if we put them on waivers, that's the only threat they have. They, they might uh, uh, be able to say to Calgary, look, we're going to put them on waivers if you don't take them. Well, I, I don't make... think I don't think Calgary. I, I looked into this yesterday. Calgary couldn't claim Bernier and waivers. They don't have enough room on their on their cap. Yeah, that's why. That's why I think. Okay, you know, so that that's even worse. So what you're yeah. telling me now is that Bernier uh, is stuck in Toronto unless Toronto takes somebody from Calgary that mm-hmm. provides cap space for him to fit. And that will be the goalie, Hiller. He's a $5 million goalie, so you send Hiller. 
I'm telling you now, without any equivocation, Mike, that Hiller is a better goaltender than Bernier. Oh, yeah. I agree. So, uh, obviously, Burke and Tree Living don't feel that way. But that's certainly my evaluation of their play over the last six, seven years. I, I, I just, Hiller hasn't been the answer out there, but he was very good in Anaheim, and I think he's better than Bernier. So yeah, but if the Leafs could trade Bernier for Hiller, they better run to the post office and finalize the deal. Yeah, the one goaltender who's played, I think, over 10 games and has a worse save percentage in the NHL than Jonathan Bernier is Jonas Hiller. So they're, I think they're of a similar mindset. I mean, um, I've heard, you know, basically if, if there was a deal made, it would be something along that lines and the Leafs would be getting some unsigned college prospect on top of it, which, yeah. you know, I mean, I think Bernier has some value still. It's just, I mean, he's just right now, and, you know, players have been in ruts. You know, they're, 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 it's, it just happens. It, 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 I think he has ability. It, it, he just, he has not played well since he got injured in that first season, came back too early because the Leafs were collapsing and, you know, re-injured himself, and he's never been the same goaltender since. And I think also it's eerily similar to what happened with Vesa Tosco. He started out great with the Leafs the first year, and then after that he decompensated physically and mentally. So it's, yeah. it, it, it seems to be a, a trend in Toronto with goaltenders like that. Yeah, well, it, it, the way they treat them, I suppose. But uh, I... I don't think Bernier will ever be a first-string goaltender in Toronto. Mm. If he gets one in Calgary, good for him. And you might as well let him go because, as both of us have observed, mm. Babcock feels the same way as I just expressed. He's never okay. going to be Babcock's number one guy. And Babcock's got seven years left at six and a quarter. Yeah. So settle and down I, for a long haul. Yeah, and I, and I don't think James Reimer – I mean – James Reimer may have destroyed any trade value he had with this long injury, but if he comes back and plays like he did before uh, the injury, I, I think he's going to be traded as well because he's a UFA, and I, I don't think that there is any mutual interest in him re-signing uh, a, long, or a long-term contract unless you know, they guarantee him he's going to be the starter, and I'm not sure you know, anybody's in a position to guarantee that. But... Um, Okay, a couple who, do you plan on putting, who do you plan on putting in goal, Mike? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the question. I mean, I, mean I, I, tra- I would try and sign Reimer to a two-year deal at yeah. four and a half, five. I think he deserves that. And the team plays so much better in front of him. They're not going anywhere in the next two years. So let, let James Reimer do the heavy lifting. It's made him better this year. And he yeah. certainly is in a better position to assume that uh, opportunity. And I'm not exactly uh, down on, on Garrett Sparks. I think he's played well, but a very small sampling. Difficult right. position to evaluate without getting a larger sampling. But I don't think they can trade both Reimer and Bernier unless they're that much down on Reimer. I'm surprised that they are. Reimer's got his flaws, but so have a lot of them. You're not... They, the Leafs have, have, have uh, piddled away a lot of good pro- prospects and players for goaltenders that never turned out. Andrew Raycroft, 
Vesa <laughs> Toscala. There is a series of them that you could. Lou Lamorello, two third round picks. How can it get any worse than that? Um, you know, well, and one, you know, I want to just do a couple quick hit things, but one, one last thing, because you mentioned Lou's name. Um, I have a lot of respect for Lou as a general manager. Um, one thing that he has done throughout his career is, you know, stretch the bounds of what is allowable under the CBA. We remember him sending like Vladimir Malikov and Alexander McGillney to the minors to bury their salaries, you know, something that was, yeah. you know, he, yeah. he does things like that. I well, he acquired think, both of them, too. He acquired right. both of them. Yeah. Okay? I think that, so put the yeah. good with the bad, Mike. That's true. I think that there is a possibility of him doing things of that nature. I don't know, I don't know what specifically, but I have a few ideas that I won't reveal right now. But I have a feeling that he will be doing things like that down the line. Like, I, Okay, for example, one, one thing I can almost say for sure, Stefan Robidau will never play another game for the Maple Leafs. And closer to the trade deadline, his $3 million salary is going to end up on LTIR and give the Leafs $3 million more in cap room to work with at the deadline. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at that. But uh, somebody has to take the responsibility for signing Robidaw to a three-year contract coming off of two broken lakes. I mean, what That's kind it. of a business are you running? Well, that guy is, uh, that guy is an advisor to the GM in Anaheim right now. Yes, that's right. And he'll be moving to Calgary or wherever Brian Burke goes. Okay, quick hits, quick answers. That doesn't, you know, just your opinion, my opinion. Yeah. What um, trade deadline players on the Leafs? What do you think that they can get in terms of a draft pick? Roman Polak. Resign him. Resign so him and resign him quickly. If he's so not available, he's a good second. If he won't okay. sign with the Leafs, they'll get a second for him. Okay. Uh, P.A. Parenteau. Uh, bag of pucks, unfrozen. <laughs> I actually think they can get a third-round pick for him because he does have eight goals. He is playing on the power play. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mike, how do you do in Montreal when you had to play with a team of substance and some meaning to all their games? True. These but guys, his- general managers, aren't stupid. Right, but his anyway, time, you, know, could be, you could be right. Yeah, he's only making a million five, so I think that will mitigate. Um, well, it's, it's a lot of money for what he does. Is there a general manager stupid enough to take Michael Grabner? Not even close. The one that was stupid enough has already taken him. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, yeah, that, that, that's 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 your genius. He's your boy, Mike. He's your boy. You better do a little more research on this guy. Um, the Anaheim Ducks, will Bruce Boudreau survive until after the All-Star break? It depends on whether there's a new general manager or not. I think the general manager is as vulnerable to firing as the coach is. Mm-hmm. The contracts that he has bestowed upon that team makes it the team that it is. Giving away too many players of consequence, when I say consequence, I'm talking 6 to 12 that were able to contribute. He, I, I think Bob Murray is a bigger part of the problem than most people want to admit. 
And finally, will the Pittsburgh Penguins make or miss the playoffs? This is something I say with a great deal of sadness. Based on what I have seen, they have absolutely no chance of making the playoffs. It's unbelievable. I mean, you know, a team with Crosby and Malkin and, you know, I mean, we're both heavy critics of Phil Kessel, but we admit that he has a lot of skill and thought that he would, at least I thought he would score goals in Pittsburgh. That the MVP of that team up until he was injured was Mark Andre Fleury, and they can't score, Bill. They can't score. No, no. I, I, I think that Sidney Crosby has flatlined from the concussion syndrome. He's not unlike what happened with Eric Lindros. He's a dominant player in the league, and concussion thing overcame him, he couldn't do it anymore. This is what I see in Crosby. There has to be an explanation for Crosby. I don't know what it is. That's the only thing I can come up with. Because he can't he can't play anymore at the level that they expect him to play. And yeah. Malkin, Malkin can still do it. But I'm with you. There's nobody helping either one of them. But when you've got two players of that strength and they suck up that much of your cap space, they have to be doing more than what they're doing. I, 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 really, I, I really think that they're trying to get by with six defensemen who are, at very best, sixth or seventh in a good defense rotation. The only guy that plays like he belongs is Olimata, and Brian Dumoulin is coming into that category. So let's give the two kids that honor. The Rats are seventh defensemen playoff team. Just flat out can't do And that's the excuse they're using for Crosby and Malkin. They're not getting the puck to them. Well, I, I, I don't see Crosby doing enough even if he had the puck on his stick all night. He's just not playing the way that a player of his caliber it doesn't do my heart any good to say that. I think the world of Sidney Crosby as a hockey person, as a guy who's contributed a great deal to the game and who appears to be a fine young gentleman. But his ability has been so tarnished and diminished over the past two years that you'd be given a long-term contract. Well, Bill, Give thank you very much. Oh, sorry. Oh, that. go ahead, Mark. Uh, I, I, I've said enough, and I feel badly that I have to say that about Sidney Crosby, but I don't know what else I can suggest. I, I've, yeah. uh, Jim Rutherford's a good friend of mine, and I'd love him to do very well, but I think his hands are tied, and it was a mess when he got into it, and it's still a mess. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I watched a lot of the uh, Pittsburgh-Boston game there was a play where Crosby had a clear break, and a couple years ago he would have just blown by the defenseman, cut in, and scored past Zuccarask. He couldn't get by the defenseman. I don't know if he's yeah. lost steps or if he's just lost his – or if he's playing injured and nobody knows about it, but it's not the same guy. And it's, it's, no, you know, no that's, it's that's, why, that's why I use the concussion thing. What else can it be? 
And did you see that Phil Kessel hit the crossbar? They came within an ace, you know, Mike, of stopping the game and giving Phil the puck. Because that's all he's done all season. That's the first impact he's made on that team. He scored some goals, but of no consequence. And when he hit the crossbar in Boston, I thought, oh, boy, maybe he's finally showing up. I, 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 Phil Kessel is exactly what I called him when he was in Toronto. Well, but anyway, the only, the only way I knew that Phil Kessel was playing in that game was when he touched the puck. The TD Garden crowd booed. Yep, that's how, That's the only way that I knew he was playing. And there was one other when you heard the bells of St. Mary ringing. That's when he hit the crossbar. <laughs> People started singing Christmas carols when they heard it. <laughs> well, Bill, thank you very much once again for joining the show. I appreciate it, and I wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. As I do yours, Mike. Enjoy yourself, and I'll look forward to talking to you in January when some of these things may have resolved themselves. For Bill Waters, this is Michael Agello of HockeyBuzz.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again real soon.